Hello, and welcome to A View from the Perch, a podcast covering important financial topics from the perspective of two certified financial planners. Each week, we give a brief market update, discuss current economic conditions, and provide education on a financial subject. Now, here are your hosts, Bill Parrott and Spencer Nguyen. I built new week, same question. How are the markets? Same results. Love it. Red hot. <clears throat> but uh, I'm going to give you the year results. Let's do it. Last, uh, last Our last, pa- last, last podcast of 2024. So the S&P 500, <clears throat> we'll say up 25% on the year. Small caps up 16%. International up 15 And bonds up 3.9%. Uh, one index that we don't talk about all that much in this report is the NASDAQ. Uh, it's up uh, over 44% this year and would be the fifth or sixth best year in the history of the NASDAQ. Wow. So uh, things are rocking. And it's interesting, most of these returns have come in November and December. And, and small caps right now are just on fire. Uh, they're just soaring. So it, it's a win across the board, uh, much to the chagrin of most uh, experts and, and people that were forecasting markets. They are not happy that the market's up this year. Uh, they're so bitter. It's the most hated bull market in history. Yeah. And I, I guess because we're going to be for empowering education talking about the 2024 outlook. But like you said, this is our last episode. So if we can look back and kind of see all the pessimism of what was going on this year and then kind of the rally and the great returns that we have what was kind of the causation of that can you think of two or three things that really caused this great year that we had well we had a soft landing Mm -hmm. Uh, interest rates uh, are are pretty much flat on the year Uh, and in some cases they're down on the year depending on the uh, the year of maturity of the treasury you want to look at so rates are are flat and the Fed has been accommodating lately, saying that they're not going to raise rates. Well, the implications are not going to raise rates uh, going into next year. And, and inflation is 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 uh, down considerably. You know, this time last year is up over 9%. Uh, and, and now we're right around the 3% mark, 312. So if you look at uh, interest rates flat, accommodating Fed going forward, uh, low inflation, that was kind of the fuel of the fire. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest encouragements, because we had at the beginning of the year, we had some solid returns. And then during kind of June and, and August, we saw that correction. But at the beginning of the year, is really the Magnificent Seven that was carrying all the indices. But it seemed when you're talking about with November and this December rally, all stocks are now getting on board and they're not just piggybacking off what the Magnificent Seven are doing. Yeah, it's been broad-based. Small caps and bonds have been rallying significantly. uh, And small cap value stocks specifically are are outperforming uh, most asset classes these last uh, four to six to eight weeks or so. And it's interesting, um, almost to the day in October when the market was down, I think 500 points, Mm -hmm. uh, we had three client calls (laughs) panicking. And since that day, the market has rallied significantly. Yeah. 
And uh, that, that's kind of one of my indicators. If we get a lot of client calls about the market, that's probably close to a market bottom as you're going to get. Yeah, I, I just love the idea that you, you're right. The most hated bull market in history. When we were up at the beginning of the year, it was just because of these tech stocks. When we were down, everybody says, of course, we're down. This is going to be a horrible year. And then we've had this uh, rebound and, and great November and December. And now people are jumping on the bandwagon like, oh, yeah, well, this is everything looks good, right? The markets or yeah. the, the rates are acceptable where they're at. If they don't increase, that'll be great. But even if they yeah. don't decrease, I think people have found a nice comfort zone in this 5% kind of area and then with obviously long-term rates dropping significantly that's just giving an indication of what the future holds and so I think it's it's exciting because there's some really good optimism in the market that we don't normally see or haven't seen for a couple years now yeah yeah we'll see um predictions are coming out and and we're going to give our Mm -hmm. our forecast for whatever that means uh for 2024 (laughs) um but it's interesting is that uh, the market tends to do the opposite of what most people think it's going to yes. do. And one concern that you have with the rising stock market is people abandoning their plan, chasing returns, going after high flyers, and just looking at return without looking at the risk component of mm-hmm. their portfolio. And so you'll start to see a lot of people um chase the nasdaq uh chase the magnificent seven uh they'll start doing crazy things uh, probably in the first part of the uh, of next year as stocks continue to run and that's the worst thing that you could do is abandon your plan and and if you do that uh, you run the risk of losing money what people did in uh 99 and 2007 2022 uh, when people jumped into the market only because it was up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, and we'll transition to our outlook, but I think it's also just important to say, hey, celebrate a great year. I don't think we do that enough. Sometimes we're like, oh, it could be higher or at least it's it's a 20% increase or 25% that you said for the S&P. The NASDAQ's up, you said what, 40% now? Um, yeah, 44. 44. Yeah, you know, so, gosh, if you made money, yeah, take a victory lap, spend it, reward yourself, you know, enjoy it don't don't complain that uh you have to pay taxes or you could have got more money you know this this is a great year exactly and i in a year faced with a just a plethora or so i can't say plethora a, a lot of uh um difficulties and roadblocks and and we've seen them be able to overcome and it's just that idea that nobody really knows exactly what's going to occur but if you have a plan and you stick with it down significantly two years ago and this year or up significantly. So just sticking with yeah. it is kind of the most important thing. Time in the market is is what you're always looking for and making sure you're taking on the appropriate amount of risk. So as we transition into our 2024 outlook, the big thing, let's just get the, the attention grabber. Let's get the headline news. What is your biggest take of 2024 that's going to kind of percolate some years? Well, the election. The election, okay. That's going to be, unfortunately, headline news throughout uh, the first 11 months of the year Mm -hmm. um, as people focus on the 2024 election and people are going to worry about it. They're going to sell. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do stupid things all for naught. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's going to be the biggest headline grabber 
2024. Uh, I, I think right behind that is you have to put in the geopolitical risk uh, okay. that are currently there in Ukraine and the Middle East. And, and, and God forbid China does anything in Taiwan, which I don't think they will. But uh, mm. uh, the election will be uh, one. The uh, geopolitical risk will be 1A. Okay. Uh, and I want to get into the black swans in a little bit, but I wanted to talk to you about the election year. So for, from your experience, when we're having a presidential election year, do stocks normally go up? Do they go down? Or is it depending on who's the incumbent, depending on who's kind of the favorite to win, what really occurs there? Or is it much of effect at all? Yeah, well, let, let's look at some data uh, going back to 1896. Um, so let's start with fidelity data. This one goes back to 1950. But during yeah. an election year, on average, the market rises a little over 9%, 9.1% in an election year. Uh, let's look at the last four presidents. So Bush, 43, uh, during his term in the market, uh, or in the, in, the, in the White House, uh, the market lost 18%. Now, we have to throw in there 9-11. That was a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, but his presidential election lost 18%. Obama, his, his election years were up 166%. Trump, just his election years? Well, when he was in office. Okay, when he was office. Okay. Uh, Trump, when he was in office, up 76%. And so far, Biden is up 38%. Okay. Now... Going back to 1896, well, let me let me back up. Since 1926, uh, the stock market's averaged 10%. Yeah. The Democrats have controlled the White House eight times and the Republicans nine. So if you, you factor in all the terms and, and whatnot, uh, you know, almost 50-50. Democrats eight, Republicans nine. Uh, so going back to 1896, and this is from Invesco. Um, oh, and the, the the presidential term data was from dimensional. Okay. So going back to 1896 from Invesco, if you invested $10,000 in just the Republican Party, you'd have a little less than a million dollars today. If you invested in the Democrats, you'd have a little less than a million dollars today. <laughs> Democrats since 1896 have outperformed Republicans by, you know, not a, not a wide margin, but, you know, a little bit. But what do you think you'd have if you invested $10,000 in the market, did nothing, it didn't matter who was in office, you just let it ride for the last 124 years? What do you think you'd have? Well, this is at the end of 2020. Yeah, under 2020. Um, what, what do you think you'd have in the market today? Um, well, if they're both a little under a million, I'd probably say, I don't know, a million, five, two million, who knows? Eight million. Eight million, wow. So if you are, and this is not a political comment, um, it, it almost doesn't matter who's in the White House from an investment standpoint. Mm. Uh, the market has averaged 10% forever. If you stayed fully invested, in this example from Invesco, you'd have almost $8 million, regardless of who was in the White House. And our founding fathers set up our economy or our government with three branches. So there's checks and balances. And the way I like to describe it is, is let's say the next president comes in and he says, I'm going to tax every green car 100%. So if you buy a green car, we're going to tax you 100%. Well, who's going to buy a green car? 
No one. They're going to buy yellow. They're going to buy red, blue, white, black, and so on. So investors change behavior quickly. And mm. you're talking about a trillion inputs into the market daily. Mm. So at the end of the day, you're better off staying fully invested regardless of who's in the White House. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just important. And I think we get very politically biased or very politically charged when it comes to investing. And like you said, they're really somewhat of the same. But when we're talking about big takes, I thought you were going to go this route and I want to get your opinion on it. I thought your big take, the big ticket item would be bonds will outperform stocks. Um, do you think that's the case? And if so, kind of why? They can and they will if <laughs> Federal Reserve lowers rates. Okay. So the Federal Reserve raises rates a quarter percent of the time. But when they lower rates, they do it in chunks, half a percent, a percent. So if the Federal Reserve lowers rates, bonds can outperform stocks. Now, if the Fed does nothing and just mm -hmm. kind of hangs out here, um, I think the big winner will be small caps. Okay. Just even though small caps are very dependent on kind of rates as well, you just as they think they've stabilized and small caps will perform well if it just everything stays the same. Absolutely. And rates have come down significantly. Yeah. And and that's benefited small caps. And uh, so if the Fed does nothing, they don't lower rates. Uh, I think small caps and emerging markets will will do really well next year. So why is if if rates cut, we understand the metrics on bonds, but we also know that growth stocks are very sensitive to rate changes. Why would you think that growth stocks wouldn't outperform bonds because they're normally high flyers if rates get cut. Yeah, well, it'll be a close race, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. um, but on a long-term bond, every 1% drop in interest rates, that, that's going to be, um, I don't know, 17, 18, 18% mm -hmm. move on the bond. So they cut 2%. You could have you know the high 20s, low 30% move in bonds. Uh, depending on the maturity, and that's just a mathematical equation. I mean, yeah. you don't really have to do anything. But uh, growth stocks will benefit from that as well. But I think the um, uh, depending on how far the Fed goes, bonds could be the winner. Mm -hmm. Only only if the Fed lowers rates. Okay, good to know. So we're talking about 2024 economic conditions. What are you foreseeing? kind of the macroeconomics and what do you, would you consider kind of an ideal year if we could have that occur? Uh, well, I think we're in an ideal year right now. Uh, unemployment low, inflation low, interest rates stable, mm -hmm. earnings decent, uh, wages looking good. Uh, it's about as good as it gets right now. So if these metrics stay the same into next year, uh, life is life will be good for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and excluding the black swans, which we'll get into, is there a reason to think that these conditions won't stay where they're at? Uh, well, um, predictions are useless. <laughs> <laughs> and there's always something no one factors in. True. How many economists, market forecasters, money managers predicted COVID? Zero. Yeah. So that is, our, you know, Arguably, uh, one of the worst things that happened in this country in the last, well, since the last, you know, flu in 1918. So there's always something lurking that no mm -hmm. one knows about, no one's factored in, 
And that, that's the unknown. I think the biggest known unknown right now, the thing that would rattle the markets the most is if China went into Taiwan. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Yeah, that makes sense. I just, it's funny because we talk about nobody's being able to predict anything and predictions are useless and, and we can go through a lot of data to say that. And also unprecedented things happen all the time. That's why they're yes. unprecedented. <laughs> and so we've never had a soft landing. Soft landing occurred this year. That's an unprecedented thing. And how many how many different things have to happen before we start using the word unprecedented? Because an unprecedented thing will always occur. Um, so I completely agree with that. So let's get into kind of those unprecedented things. So what are those black swans that we're talking about? We, with China and Taiwan, the conflict there, um, geopolitical concern. Are there any other black swans that we're kind of seeing gathered about for the next year? Well, we. They're black swans because you don't see them that often. You don't really know. Mm. We never know what a black swan is, of course, yeah. but uh, we don't know. I mean, yeah. that, that's if we knew, uh, it'd be a white swan, and, uh, <laughs> uh, or it would be an event that, like, okay. So if the market knows something's going to happen, it, it's factored into the market. Yeah, it's the unknown that rattles the market, and we just don't know what those are, mm. and, and that's the challenge of investing. That's the risk premium that you have in the market is the unknown, right? Yep. Um, if people want known, if they want safety, buy the T-bill, mm -hmm. right? You, there's, there's no surprises there. Um, but I think all the risk right now in the market is, is on the geopolitical side. You know, what if Russia yep. launches a nuclear bomb into Ukraine? Mm. That's that's a game changer, um, an unfortunate one. The Middle East spills over into other countries, um, so I think the risk is all on the geopolitical side. Now, economically, um, I guess a big risk is that inflation reverses yeah. and starts to go higher, um, and the Fed raises rates. Yeah. I think it's a low probability. If that happens, the market's not going to like it at all. Yeah, I think that was that was the black swan that I wrote down. Just because once we see the wealth effect kick in, when people are looking at their statements at the end of the year and they're seeing that that their four hundred one k up twenty to thirty percent, depending on how they invested, their taxable accounts are doing really well, and they think, okay, we can spend, especially after this Christmas season, and with even mortgage rates dropping. I was listening to that this morning. We could get some high inflationary data, which could indicate Powell saying we're going to raise rate again. And, and if he says that, I don't even think it has to occur. The market's going to kind of crater, which would not be ideal. So no, it's always good to be looking at because inflation, which is so interesting because we think inflation is such a bad thing, but a healthy economy needs inflation. It just can't be um, hyperinflation or extremely high inflation. And yeah. I just hope that we're able to keep that at bay. But that's kind of a, a black swan that I saw. Um, so when we're thinking about realistic expectations, what can an investor expect for 2024? I know we don't, predictions are useless, but just a realistic kind of not too hot, not too cold expectation for an investor. Well, uh, I like to use 100-year data. So <laughs> The numbers that I always talk about are 10, 6, 3, and 3. So historically, stocks have returned 10%. Bonds have returned 6%. Cash has returned 3%. And inflation has averaged 3%. So those, I think, are realistic expectations. And it's interesting right now on the bond side, 
is most of our bond funds and the bonds that we're buying for clients are yielding, you know, five and a quarter, yeah. five and a half percent. So not far off the average. Inflation right now is at three, two, right on the average. Uh, stocks, of course, are doing much better than expected, but I would say 10% for stock, 6% for bonds, 3% for cash, and 3% for inflation. And it's interesting for people that are buying treasuries and CDs now because rates are high, mm -hmm. historically, they're going to earn around the rate of inflation. So eventually, they're going to start averaging around 3% for those individuals. Yeah, and we're already seeing that with the the ten and the five year kind of going back down to normal. Expect with the one and two or one and one month and one year T bills are still pretty high, but we're, we've seen kind of that what you said reverting back to the mean. And how awesome would it be if after all these crazy years? Because I feel like we've had five years of craziness in the market that everything was just like stocks ten, bonds six, <laughs> inflation three, and just everything was even killed. That would be that'd be a great year. <laughs> yeah. And um, we'll see. But uh, it's interesting because the stock market has never finished the year right on the dot at yeah. 10%. Never. Uh, but it's average 10% going back to the beginning of time. So why not? Yeah. It's like LeBron James. He's averaged 27, 7, and 7 for his entire career, but has never once finished a game with 27.7 rebounds and 7 assists. It's, uh, there you go. Yeah. So statistically anomalies. I love them. Yes. Well, so just finishing up, if, if I'm an investor, what, what should I do to prepare for 2024? Well, first, you need a plan. You need that financial plan. You need that roadmap, that GPS. You need to know where you're going mm -hmm. um, and not worry about the external factors because your time frame is not one year, most likely. Mm -hmm. So that plan will give you your, 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 your fundamental basics of what you need to do with your investments. And if you need money in one year or less for a home purchase, for a new car, for tuition, wedding, baby, whatever, um, keep it in cash or treasuries. Mm -hmm. If your time horizon is three to five years, you got to own stocks. Got to own stock. Now, somebody can say, what about two years? You know, it can go either way. But uh, if your time horizon is three to five years or more, it, you need a heavy dosage of stocks. And actually, some people are saying that, you know, depending on your age, you should be 100% stock. And, and I think if you're in your 20s, that's not a bad place to be. No, not at all. Um, depending on your goal, right? For the housing fund, my, yeah. my example, right? I've had heavy allocation of stocks, but if I'm looking to purchase a home in the next year or two, I might start getting a little bit more conservative. I do have a, a bonus question, and this is just more kind of for my interest. So with all the pundits and everybody saying, oh, this 2024 is going to be incredible, does that make you anxious or do you just not even care about what they say? It, no, it makes me ner nervous because you want to, the markets climb a wall worry. Uh, if everybody mm -hmm. runs to one side of the ship, it tilts. And I think the concern is that people are uh, overly optimistic, yeah. too excited. You know, if you are reading posts and blogs and newspaper articles and everything, hey, greatest time ever to invest. Yes. That's a problem. If you go back to last year, 2022, in October, uh, it was pretty dark. You know, the market was down significantly. But that's the best time to buy stocks mm -hmm. is when no one wants them, when pessimism is high, fear is high, 
that's when you get the best value. And that's actually when stocks are the safest. Yeah. Now that they've run considerably, um, people are going to say, hey, um, time to go into stocks. Mm. Did, did you hear that story about that guy that bet $5 um, and he won $500,000 because he picked? Oh, the parlays? Parlays. Yeah. 14, he had 14 picks. They all scored touchdowns. He made $500,000. Or $500, um, that's almost a nine, almost a 10 million percent return. They <laughs> <laughs> just keep doing that. <laughs> well, if he was smart, he'd write a book. Here are the 14 numbers, or here are the 14 players I picked exactly. to, to score a touchdown. Everybody next week is going to pick those same 14 players. Mm. Watch my guess, my bet is that people are going to pick those same 14 players. I have to agree, yeah. And it's not going to work out. So people are going to look at the NASDAQ and say, oh, is that 44%? I am going to do that because it's at 44%. Mm-hmm. But so how do you come back? Because I completely understand that. But we have data in which a major correction occurs, which happened in 2022. And normally stocks run for two to three years after that. So how do you balance kind of the optimism and the Dow hitting all-time highs with that aspect of, okay, we just had a horrible year, so there is potential for c- continued growth. It really just comes down to your plan. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's it. And you've got to pick an allocation that you're comfortable with. And, you know, the question I would ask, you know, if you're going to invest in the NASDAQ, I, I would ask them, how comfortable would you be if you lost 50% of your investment? Yeah, and if that's a realistic risk, honestly. Well, that's about what they were down yeah. in 2022, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if people don't look at the downside when markets are up, they they throw risk out the window and they say, "Hey, I'm all in until it corrects." Yeah, and then the sky is falling. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Just making sure you have that plan. Time in the market is the most essential thing. Um, perfect. Well, yeah. and going back to that study with Invesco, you mm-hmm. know, if you only invested in one political party. You, you earned less than a million dollars, but mm. if you just stayed fully invested, you had nearly $8 million. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's $7 million because of your political preference. That So we, we could talk about the elephant and the donkey in the room. We could, yeah. We, that's actually, I think as we're starting to get closer to the election, you know, that would be a really good podcast topic just to remind people that, hey, this might seem like dire situations for the stock market, but in actuality, it's it's not. But um, yeah. But you know, gosh, if anything's going to trigger people, it's politics. Oh, yeah. And, it has to, you know. And this, is, again, I just, this is not political comment. Uh, this is not my data. You know, this is data mm-hmm. from Dimensional, from Fidelity, from Invesco, and they're just facts. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't matter from an investment standpoint who's in the White House. It may short term, yeah. it may have some impact, but over time, uh, it, it's the market that's going to win in the end. Yeah, that'll that'll get the headlines, right? It doesn't matter who's in the office. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there are some calls about that. But well, let's transition over to our faithful. Paul Spencer, if you're concerned yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, right. I know what I didn't say it, Bill said. Um, and this scripture comes out of Second Corinthians um, nine six through eight, and it says, "And the point is this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully." Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so to so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. 
do love that verse just because of the truth. But what I really wanted to dive into and glean into is that idea, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Paul normally isn't very, hey, kind of do whatever you want, do what you feel is right. Paul is pretty pragmatic when it comes to challenges and, and expectations that he gives. And so this really spoke to me. And it's that idea that you can give X amount of dollars or you can give X amount of your time. But if it's not, if it's under compulsion or if it's under kind of requirement or you feel guilty, that is just pales in comparison to having that cheerfulness and having that gratitude that that stems to give that generosity. And I know we talk a lot, especially about this podcast and with this devotional series about being good steward, about giving away things, about making sure you're managing your assets correctly. But I think we lose sight of the fact that making sure you're checking your heart and your spirit on why you're doing things. And Mm. maybe you don't give as much, but it's what your heart is conducing. That is 10,000 times better than giving out of this guilt or giving into like resentment and things of that nature. So just wanted to encourage people to, especially during this last, this next year, because this podcast will come out on the 2nd. When you're thinking about being a good steward and giving, take a step back and, and check your heart and making sure like, hey, am I giving out a generous spirit or am I giving out a compulsion or because of a requirement or discipline? And, and just see the differences when you, when you do those two. Yeah, and God loves a cheerful giver, you know, yeah. and, and uh, you know, you could kind of uh, extend that out to other things. I mean, why would you do things if you didn't want to or, or yeah. it wasn't fun or it wasn't cheerful or your heart wasn't in it? Uh, it doesn't make any sense. And I think that that's the same thing with giving. Um, You know, we don't want to work with anybody or uh, not work with anybody, but uh, if you're reluctant to do something, then don't do it. I mean, you have to be motivated for the right reason and and usually starts within your heart. You got to, you got to check your heart. And yeah, I love that reaping and sowing verse. I mean, it's such a great visual. um, And and you get it. I mean, not you specifically, but people. I mean, it's it's it, it's it's a great metaphor. And certainly at that time, right? Because people were were literally reaping and sowing. They weren't driving to HEB to get their uh, their food. So it it really was a a very powerful verse in the Bible. Yeah, and I love how Paul reaches people where they're at. Like in in our spheres of influence, we don't really have a lot of farmers, or I don't know that many farmers, but. I know everybody that has 401ks and, and, and it's the exact same thing. If you're going to save and invest in your 401k bountifully, when you retire, you should have a bountiful selection. If you're going to sow or invest sparingly, like, oh, maybe I'll do 1% when I can or $500, you're going to reap sparingly when it comes to retirement. So I think this is the exact same aspect of, yeah. especially spiritual generosity. The more you give, the more the Lord is able to work with. And it's not even just monetary, like the more time, the more disciplines, the more serving aspects that you can do, the more the Lord is just going to be able to expound that or expand yeah. that. Perfect. I agree, 100%. Well, Bill, as we go into 2024, who would have think we would uh, got here? What would you like to leave our listeners with to start the year? Man, have a happy new year, a safe new year. Um, again, gosh, follow your plan, stay invested. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the headlines. 
And uh, well, since we're on predictions, Spencer, um, yeah. who do you think is going to play in the national championship game and who's going to win? Yeah, I got Texas and Alabama in the national championship, and I have Nick Saban squashing all the doubters and, and squashing people think that Georgia was better than them and Nick Saban getting another championship. And then retiring at the peak. Oh, he's not retiring. No. Harbaugh <laughs> goes to the Chicago Bears. Harbaugh goes to Chicago. Nick Saban is going to die in his office in Alabama. That's my that's my prediction. <laughs> well, I have uh, Texas against Michigan. Okay. That'd be awesome. Yep. And who and wins? Since we're in Austin, I have to say Texas is going to win. No, that makes sense. I, I mean, it would be awesome to see Texas win. Austin would be an incredible place to be for that. But. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. Perfect. So, well, so hook them. Hook, hook them, right? Yeah, oh, that's that's rare for Bill to say, so take that. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be bided forever for all our clients. There you <laughs> all right. go. All right, thank you, Bill. Bye.